We're in the uh, book of Revelation still this morning, and I wanted uh, to look at, beginning at verse 7, Revelation chapter 17, verse 7. And it, this is the announcement of the victory of Jesus Christ. Uh, a lot of your um, Bibles might title this, The Great Prostitute and the Beast, and, and what's happening to them, their description. But there's one phrase in this passage uh, in particular that stood out to me, and I said, this is very appropriate for our Palm Sunday message. Um, yes, it is talking about the future coming of Jesus Christ, but it is about Jesus' victory. As we talk about uh, the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, there, there will be a triumphal entry in, in the future of Jesus Christ that we look forward to in great anticipation. Let's read those words together in uh, Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 17, beginning at verse 7. And it says this, But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. For as, as for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth king, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. But they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they, hand, and, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that You would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of Your Word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. We celebrate this Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, which marks the beginning of the final week before his death. And as Jesus enters into that city, the people are proclaiming, Hosanna, Hosanna, salvation, salvation. Hosanna means save us, Lord, save us. So they're, they're crying out to uh, Jesus to save them. That they believe that He was the Messiah. God's own Son who would come into the world and establish His kingdom. They did this in His first coming. They'll do it again in His second coming. And so we'll look forward to that great and glorious day. But by the end of that week, when Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem the, the first time, the disciples lost their hope in God's kingdom coming to earth. 
Because they saw that Jesus was arrested, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was dragged into court after court, and eventually Pilate, even though he found nothing wrong with Jesus and found him innocent, he, he, he exonerated him of all the charges, he still carried out a sentence in order to keep peace with the people. who were shouting, crucify, crucify, crucify. And so Jesus, their Lord and Savior, the one they thought would be the Messiah, the one they thought would establish God's kingdom, was killed on a, on a horrible cross. And so in the midst of that great evil, and in the midst of that, of that trouble, the disciples were, were confused, they were dejected, Many, most of them ran away and, and hid. We see a lot of great evil today around us in our own country. A lot of grave, grave injustice. A lot of violence. And in our world we, we see much violence. We see this war between Russia and Ukraine. It seems to be escalating as far as um, the violence and the death toll are happening. We're seeing political prisoners um, in, uh, you know, just uh, be, being tortured. And we see Christians around the world being persecuted, some tortured. We see many babies in our own country being aborted. What a great evil. And there are times that um, we might lose hope as, as believers in Jesus Christ. Maybe this doesn't touch you personally, but it touches me personally. A lot of times we're caught up in my, my own family. Somehow Siri got activated. I don't know what's going on there. That's weird. <laughs> Never had it just all of a sudden come on for no reason. Anyway, um, this whole thing is just, it, it, a lot that causes us, us to lose hope. It causes us to lose sight of God so often. But here at the end of history, just when things seem to be getting the worst that it's ever been, and under such great, terrible evil and oppression, we hear these words. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Now it talks about the woman and the beast. We've been talking the last few weeks about these things. The woman is, is Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great is, is, is described as a woman who is full of idolatry and adultery, prostitution, she represents the, the last wicked human kingdom on earth. Humanity united in rebellion against God. And, 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 the and, and we call them the earth dwellers, the people who dwell on the earth. It's not necessarily referring to the saints. It's referring to those who have rejected God and, and care only about what, what they can see, taste, um, hear, smell, and touch. The, the material world around them and, and their own material pursuits and their own self-pleasuring, that's the people of the earth. Coming together to form the last wicked kingdom on earth, which is called metaphorically Babylon. Because Babylon is the ancient kingdom, um, in, in Genesis chapter 11, 
when, when the whole world came together at the Tower of Babel, and they came together in opposition to God, and they built a tower where, where they, they would seat their king so that he would be the, the God over the people. And what happened? God struck them with um, you know, a, a confused language. And they couldn't understand each other. And so it caused them to spread throughout the earth. Because, because they, they, they just could not understand each other. God in that time you know, destroyed the kingdom of Babylon. Later on, Babylon had a resurgence. And it came in and it, it took the people of Judah away into captivity. The people of Judah had turned from God. They had rebelled. And God told them a long time ago, if you rebel against me, then I will lift my hand of protection from you. And, and the great nation of Babylon will come in and, and take you into captivity. That happened as well. 526 B.C. or 522 B.C. I'm sorry, I'm getting my dates mixed up. 586 B.C. is when Babylon came in and took the, king, the kingdom of Judah into captivity. Babylon has been the symbol of, of man's opposition and rebellion against God. All through, all through the history of the Bible. And here at the end, there, there's a final push. Babylon has its resurgence. It takes over um, the world again. This time, it's described as a woman full of adultery, full of idolatry, and, and, and full of passion and violence, wickedness, rebellion against God. It's being ruled now by, by the beast who rises from the bottomless pit that talks about. And, 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 and this uh, beast takes on a human form. And as we talked earlier, it says that, that this beast received a wound. It looked like he was dead and then came back to life. And we talked about how this beast is a full mockery of Jesus Christ. Somehow he's going to deceive the world into thinking that he, he did die and come back to life. I, I think it's going to be a great deception myself. Because I don't think he has the power of resurrection in, in and of himself. And then, you know, you, you've got this false prophet that comes along and leads in the worship of, of the beast. And, and, it, and it tricks all the earth dwellers into worshiping the beast and then taking the mark of his name. And then they're going to go out and make war against the saints and persecute them. And they, and they win against them, it says, for a time. But the book of Revelation, the rest of it is about... The souls crying out under the altar towards God for justice. How long, Lord, are you going to wait before your justice goes forth? The rest of the book of Revelation is God pouring out His judgment on the earth dwellers and on the beast and the false prophet and then, then eventually on Satan himself, the one who led them all astray. God is sovereignly in control of this whole period. And, and, and the one through whom he is setting up this kingdom, his son Jesus Christ, is going to come in victory as the King of kings and Lord of lords and put an end to all these wicked kingdoms on earth. And as we said before too, I, and, and I still believe this about the book of Revelation, this is as much about evil destroying itself. If you read those last few verses of chapter 17, I held off in reading them. It says this, and the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. 
And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour the flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out His purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. What that's saying is, is that evil is going to destroy itself. It's talking about a civil war here. The beast will hate the kings of the earth who gave him the power, the kingdom of Babylon, and they're going to come up against each other in this great battle. And that is God's purpose, for evil to destroy itself. And ultimately, that's, that, that's the consequence of all sin in our hearts and lives. The consequence of sin is self-destruction. It is self-destructive behavior. And ultimately, that behavior will fail. So at the end of history here, before the final chapters of Revelation takes place, what we have is another announcement that this great kingdom of evil that, that, that has um, been in rebellion against God from, from the very beginning is ultimately going to destroy itself. And then the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to sweep into the world and He's going to clean them of their wickedness. These people of the earth, they, they, it says they come in opposition of the Lamb, but they turn on each other in the end. And, and, and their collapse and doom is sure. Because not only did they hate the Lamb, they hate each other even more. <laughs> and it's sad that when we, when we look at the world today, we see people in such opposition to each other. And, and it's even worse in other countries, but it's becoming bad in our own country, that these political divisions that people have. It's becoming worse and worse. And, and, and it's um, hard to be optimistic about our country. I do see some bright spots because we're, a lot of people are pushing back against some of this um, sexual, sexuality agenda that, that's being pushed by, by, by the far left. But I can tell you that, that the, the right has its problems too. I was just watching a news report this morning about some of the um, younger GOP senators being, being invited to uh, not-so-savory parties and, and to become part of a, of, 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 of a corrupted group. And, and there was a young um, representative who stood out against this and, and reported it. And he, he's in trouble now with the GOP because he reported it. Not to be political this morning, but both sides have their problems. Both sides have their corruption. We can't put our faith um, in, in political parties or political leaders. What we have to do is put our faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ, who has absolute sovereign power, who has absolute goodness and purity. And if we let Him, He'll make our hearts pure. Because the only way that, that, that our corrupt culture is going to change is when we give ourselves to Jesus Christ and recognize Him in our own hearts and lives, not just somewhere in the future, not just somewhere in the past, but right now, we need to recognize Him as King of kings 
and Lord of Lords. And only those who are, who are called by Him, who are chosen by Him, and who are faithful to Him are going to survive what's going to happen to the very end. The call of salvation goes out to all people. The ones who are chosen are the ones who answer that call. We're not talking about predestination here necessarily. We're talking about Jesus as the way of salvation from the very foundation of the earth. It's not about predestination of, of people. It's about predestination of the way in which they're saved. But from the foundation of the world, those who answer the call of Jesus Christ are then chosen to be His and are to remain faithful to Him to the very end. So the question today is, can you remain faithful to Him to the very end? Faithful in the present. Recognizing Him as your King. Recognizing Him as the Lord of your life. And as we celebrate today His, his coming into His kingdom and the triumphal entry from the very beginning, when He first walked into Jerusalem, we can look then, therefore look forward in hope to His coming again. Because we have remained faithful to Him. Because we have given our hearts and lives to Him. If we remain in Him and remain faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ, if we, if, if we remain faithful to Him in, in our devotional life, if we remain faithful to Him in our prayer life, if we remain faithful to Him in the way in which we live before others, and if we, live, if we are faithful to Him in our service to others, then we have a great hope in Him. That His kingdom is going to come. It's going to bring an end to all suffering and all evil. And bring in a glorious new age to this earth. We celebrate in a way that looks forward to His coming again. And, and, and the way that we do that, first of all, is that we seek to put off our own sins. And so we, we seek Jesus Christ for, our, for forgiveness of our sins. You know, the Bible makes it an even playing field. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We may, we, we may, have, we may be sinful people, but we don't have to be called sin sinners anymore through Jesus Christ. If we repent of our sins and come to Him, ask His forgiveness, and make Him Lord over our lives, we no longer have to be called sinners, we can be called saints. And because He gives us His Holy Spirit as a free gift, the Bible talks about this. We have a, he is the deposit guaranteeing our salvation in the future. But we must remain in Him as He remains in us, the Bible says. Jesus said that, that's Jesus' own words. Remain in me and I will remain in you. But as long as we hold on in faith to God's um, promises to us, as long as we continue to listen to that spirit that's within us that comes from God Himself, then we'll find ourselves faithful. We'll find ourselves cleansed of those sins. We'll, we'll, we'll find that inner nature within us be, being continually cleansed until 
it says that we reach maturity. I like the word perfection. Some people don't like the word perfection because they, they, they think it means that um, I'm going to become perfect in my actions in, there, in every, every, every single way. But the perfection the Bible talks about is being perfected in our love for God and others. That one area that God calls us to perfection. And Paul said, you know, I haven't already attained it yet. I'm looking for it. But he's, he recognized that there were some that had attained it. And it's not about saying that, look, look at me, I'm perfect. Perfection is seen in the fruits of the Spirit that people produce. One of the, one of the most important things about perfection is, is a person's humility. If you see a humble person who, working quietly behind the scenes to, to uh, live a holy life and to do good things for people and has a solid prayer life, that, you, you could probably pretty well closely say that, that, that that's a perfect believer. Someone who has been made perfect in love. Doesn't mean that they're always sinless. We don't, the Bible never preaches a sinless perfection. But it does say that we can be so cleansed within ourselves that it just permeates through our whole life and comes out in, in, in ways that are wonderful and beautiful. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things coming from within and coming out. Those are the qualities of faithfulness. Those are the qualities of Christian maturity, or what we may call Christian perfection. Perfect in love, not necessarily in actions, but perfect in love. And if we're perfect in love in our hearts, it does begin to affect our actions. All we have to do is surrender ourselves wholesale to Jesus Christ. Not only are we asking Him to save us from our sins, we're asking Him, Lord, take over my life. Enter in. Sweep away the, the, the evil that's in my own heart before you come and sweep away all evil in the world when you return. All this prophecy, all of this um, apocalypse, we call it. All of this prophecy, all this apocalypse... It's not just about predicting the future. If it was a prediction of the future, we'd have a, a more exact timeline. If this was a prediction about, strictly a prediction about the future, we would have a lot more information, I believe, given us. But every prophecy that's given is about affecting the lives of the believers in the present. To say... Be faithful to God's covenant. And in the end, you'll escape the judgment to come. Be faithful now in your living. Be faithful now in following Jesus Christ. Be faithful now in making Him your Lord and Savior. Especially your Lord. Be faithful now in the present. Read His commands. Read His Word. Understand it. Seek to live by it. But with, with everything that's within your heart, seek to live by it. And God is, is not ready to um, stamp someone out because they make a mistake. That's not who God is. 
but he is there to help us, to lift us up, to strengthen us. If we but remain faithful to him. And so as we prepare to take Holy Communion, we want to remember what Jesus did to bring about our salvation. And we look forward in hope of sharing in this communion with him again. And I want to turn to a 